0: Welcome to Try This At Home with Leslie and Leslin, a podcast that offers you tips and tricks for solving problems, increasing happiness, and creating a better life. Hi, this is Leslin from Try This At Home. Last week, we talked about adaptation, which is a component of resilience. Today, we're covering resilience in more detail in hopes that it will help you strengthen your bounce back reflex. So grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and listen in. Hey, Les. Hello. Good morning. How are
1: you? I'm I'm hanging in there. I'm doing fine.
0: Good. <laughs> How about you? It, well, you know, I we chatted for just a minute, and I think that as we mentioned privately, that our problems are little first world problems, right? If anything that you and I can point to, they're they're actually just first world problems. (laughs) Yes, 100%. (laughs) So, you know, I have this big project I've been wanting to undertake really for two years. And it's just been a series of kind of procrastinations that kept me from doing it. And that was to refinish my 20-year-old kitchen table. After raising four kids, the chairs needed a little glue and screws, and the tabletop needed to be refinished. And it's kind of that honey oak color, which is very 1990s. And so I just wanted to do something different. So I decided to just go ahead and dive in. And I'm not a hundred percent thrilled with the color I chose now that four chairs and the table base are dry. (laughs) (laughs) And I went to wax one of the chairs yesterday and the poly coat wasn't thick enough. And I waxed down to the paint, which waxed down to the wood, which gave it a distressed look, which is fine. I mean, it's fine, but that's not the look I wanted. Right. So I stopped with that one chair and said, I'm going to just go ahead and put on a couple more polycoats on the other chairs. And today I'll try again, but it's, you know, that's, that's such a first world problem,
1: right? Yeah. My, uh, my big first world problem is that we refinished our basement, which we, had no intentions of doing at the start of 2020. However, the pandemic led us to believe that we needed a little more distance from our children. And our <laughs> <own>. <laughs> so we, we had a contractor come and we refinished the basement. And now I'm a little overwhelmed because I have to clean and organize and furnish a thousand square feet apartment. Basically there's a kitchen and a bedroom and a bathroom and living room down there. And it's like, Woe with yeah. me, right? I know yeah. like everyone's rolling their eyes like, oh, gee, poor you. But, <laughs> well, it's the little things sometimes. I don't know.
0: Yeah. And to be fair, I mean, we're both so very blessed in a, a moment when people are losing unemployment benefits and losing their jobs. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's super important for us to, not just you and me, but as I know that we do. But for everybody, just to take a just a hot second, take a deep breath, and count the blessings in your life, right? That no matter what's happening for you right now, there are at least one or two blessings that you can just breathe in and really savor. And when yeah. we do, and when we do that, it it, it feels better. It ma- it makes everything feel a little bit better, because what you're doing when you do that is you are adjusting the lens from which you see all the other stuff.
1: I like how you described as we get talking about resilience, how you described it as a, a reflex and like a you know basically a muscle. And I think we've talked about this before, but gratitude is very similar you have to build the muscle. Well, yeah. And I think gratitude is an element
0: of resilience, right? Gratitude is an an element of emotional awareness. It's an element of optimism. It contributes to both of those things of which those emotional awareness and optimism are components of resilience. But bounce back. When I think of resilience, I think of Weebles weevils wobble, but they don't fall down. Yes, <laughs> yes. So if you don't know, if you're listening and you don't know that slogan, I mean, it's got to be one of the m- best slogans of all time, right? You yeah, because yeah. because if you have lived at least in the United States and you were a kid, it's a toy from generations, and we know from the little jingle on television that weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. And that's resilience. Lots and lots of wobbling. Right.
1: I also think of it as the, um, you know, on playgrounds where they have the little like animals that you can ride on that are on a big heavy duty spring. And you can, yes, the playground animals. Yeah. I think of that too. Like you go really hard forward and really hard backwards, but you always end up, straight up again. Yeah.
0: I would, I would say that's true. If you're the same size as that little toy, because if you're an adult on that thing, you can't fall down. (laughs) I have a really cute picture of my son and his wife on a playground. I think we were in Germany and we were just kind of walking through this town that I lived in when I was a young girl and Rosie got on this little thing of, well, I mean, well, I don't even know spring ride. Um, I don't know what they're called, but she got on and she was wobbling and she started to slide and Frank reached for her and they both ended up on the ground rolling around. So
1: <laughs>
0: maybe it was just,
1: I was going to say, that sounds like it should be on America's Funniest Home Videos. Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> I think it had to
0: be there for this particular one.
1: But, uh, and and I'm pretty sure I only
0: got a, a still picture, not a full on video, but yeah,
1: yeah,
0: it was fun. But yeah, it's exactly like that. So there's a few components of resilience and I'm just going to run through them and then we can kind of talk about them or. You know, in particular, if you have any questions or thoughts, there's optimism. And I want to point out that when people think about optimism, sometimes they think, well, I'm not an optimist. But what we know now is that optimism can be learned. So kind of think about that. So optimism, self belief, control of self, willingness to adapt willingness to be flexible, ability to solve problems, emotional awareness, social support, and a sense of humor. All of those things can, all of those things contribute to resilience.
1: Okay. So why don't really quick, what do you think of when you think of resilience? Like what do you think of as the definition of it? So the ability to bounce back. When difficult things are presented to you, or do you just think it there's more to it than that? because when i my when I think of resilience, I think of, yeah, it's it's when bad stuff happens or when negative things happen.
0: well, by definition, I and mean, the psychological definition is the process of adapting well in the face of adversity. So I think adversity can be defined by a lot of different things, whether it's, serious health problems or financial stress or workplace problems. You know, tr- it's not just tragedy, but it's also significant sources of stress.
1: Yeah. Like a new baby would be a great, good, good. Sure. So that's obviously sure. Very, very, positive. But
0: sure. Yeah. So I, I see so you're just kind of saying that it doesn't necessarily have to be derogatory stressors. Although, you know, even though a new baby is joyful, I think anybody that's had one would say it's also a significant stressor. Yes. Yeah. You know, it can be, right? If you don't have a bunch of social support, or if you're a single parent, or if you're financially really strapped, a new baby can be very, very stressful. Right. Right you know, or if the baby's sick or if you're sick, I mean, there's lots of things that happen. I, you know, building a new house isn't necessarily a, a huge adversity, but it can foster things which generate adversity, right? I have counseled couples who whose relationship can't withstand some of the stressors that are involved in building a new house. Right. Or I've I'm aware of a situation this was a long time ago where somebody was building a new house and about a month before it was com- supposed to be completed it burned to the ground.
1: Oh um, my gosh.
0: <laughs> and and they had already sold their house. You know, they they were ready to move. So it was, I suppose that would be a tragedy, but it's also kind of in the face of something that's supposed to be very exciting. Right, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that from as, as far as psychologists are concerned, resilience is that ability to cope in the face of adversity. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we talked last week about adaptation. And resilience is adaptation at its best. Mm. I love that. We should be (laughs) on Instagram. We (laughs) should, yes. Let's do that since we're not using the word should. Let's just commit to doing (laughs) that. So, you know, another part of resilience is self-belief. So I would term that to be confidence. To feel... Like you have the ability to bounce back. And I want to differentiate this from being exhausted. Ooh, okay. Okay, so, well, we've talked before about how sometimes we just get tired. And when we're tired, it feels like we're not strong enough. It feels like we can't. But that yeah. that's actually not true. Just what's happening there is that we just feel like we're tired. We just we just need to rest and then we can get back up. So right. if you have any questions or, or thoughts about I don't think I can, the single most important thing to do is to look at your past and look at the times that you did.
1: I love that. I've I've seen something on social media where it, it, it's something to the effect of you've survived a hundred percent of your worst days. Exactly. That's exactly
0: yeah. the point I'm trying to make here. Yeah. We think we can't, right? We say, I can't do this. I just can't. I can't go through this one more time, but yes, you can. Yeah. And, you, and you need to remember that that's, that you literally did survive a hundred percent of your, of every past worst day you've ever had. And so that's what that self-belief is really about. Control of self. Now, I have been preaching self-mastery. I will continue to preach self-mastery. Nothing changes unless you get control over how you approach, engage, react, you name it. Right. And again, when people
1: say, I can't, that's just not true. You can control yourself. I think it's more of a, I wish I didn't have to.
0: Sure. (laughs) Yes, of course it is. Of course you can. You just wish you didn't have to. Yeah. That's how I feel about being a size 10. (laughs) 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 I mean, I know I could. It pisses me off that I have to put any effort into that, but I know that I I know that I can, and I choose not to, at least at the present moment. A friend of mine, I made a comment the other day to a friend of mine about a shirt. So we we share the same birthday, and she wanted me to call her with this. So several years ago, I think for my fiftieth birthday, she got us. Shirts made that says "to it's it's my birthday" or "it's our birthday," I think. And yeah. we walked around the streets of New York with signs to get. And we we're going to go to the Today Show. And then Aww. the night before, I I guess it was kind of over the course of a week, I bruised my Achilles tendon or strained it or something, and I just couldn't walk, so I couldn't walk down to the Today Show. And Aww. long story short, every year it's now been a tradition for us to put on this shirt. And last year, the shirt that she gave me when I was 50 was, was too small. So I cut mm. out the front of it and I ironed it on to a new black shirt. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, this year I went to put on that new black shirt. and It was a little snug. <laughs> now, I'm pretty sure it's because I dried the shirt. <laughs> might not have been, but, um, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And I said to her, she said, are you going to wear it today? And I said, no, I'm going to take it off. It's not comfortable. She goes, why? And I said, it's too small. She goes, well, you could rectify that. <laughs> You're like, yes, I could. But well, I that, don't like well, that's pretty much what I said is I'm 60 now. And I think I'm just going to find some acceptance with my body. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and if my shirt's too small, I'll get a bigger shirt. Now, I, I personally have a limit. So, to all the people out there that you know, I'm not right. morbidly obese at this point. <laughs> I'm not going to choose to become morbidly obese. But I I just think it's kind of funny how when I talk about self mastery or control of self, you we can't walk around saying, "Well, I can't control
1: it," because that's simply not true. You're right, exactly. We, I, I, talk to my kids about this a lot, you know, the choice that they have in their behavior and I mean, they can be mad and that's completely fine, but they cannot hit or, you know, punch their sibling. That's not fine. Right. Right. And you have control.
0: You have control.
1: Yes. hundred
0: percent. And so the next thing is willingness to adapt. And we talked about this last week a lot. I don't want to spend a ton of time on it because really you can just go back to last week's episode on adaptation. And here, I mean, we literally had a good 40 minutes worth of information on that then. I think that the willingness to be flexible is incorporated or related to adaptation, but it's it's really about letting go of rigidity.
1: Yeah. I a lot of people think that because I'm interested in planners that I like to plan the day down to the moment and that I'm, you know, I, I would prefer to plan things a long time in advance. I actually hate doing that. <laughs> I hate I hate doing that. I would much rather have a day where okay, here are the three things I want to do when I'm going to do them, I'm going to be flexible. I mean, you know, most of the time I have some sort of idea, but I feel like I am only disappointed when I plan things out like that and being flexible just makes me a lot happier. Yeah. I, you
0: know, I have to say that many, many of the clients that I see that are depressed or anxious could benefit and ultimately do benefit from just learning how to be flexible, especially Mm -hmm. with anxiety. You know, when we get routed into a very rigid, narrow lane, whether it's in behavior or thinking, we are constricting possibilities yeah. and it it just makes it makes it very difficult right there's it's very hard to be resilient if you're only going to let things happen in a particular way you're going to be
1: you're opening the door for disappointment just constantly well not only that it's hard to live on planet earth with other human beings and be rigid because other people have other plans and they're going to impose those on you and you have to compromise all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, it's a little bit like
0: defensive driving, Mm. right? I mean, when I, and we do, I mean, I taught my children this, I learned as a driver, you have no idea what everybody else is going to do on that road. We like to think that they're going to stay in their lane. We like to think that they're paying attention, but they might not be. Right. And so at, at any given moment, you have to be
1: able to change lanes or break. You have to be flexible. Yes.
0: So think of it that way. Think about it as the willingness to be flexible. That's like defensive driving of your life. Yeah, I love that. It's a great analogy. So next is the ability to solve problems. Now, some problems you don't have the power to solve. So we're not talking about solving my problems or Leslie's problems (laughs) or your husband's or your children's. We're talking about your problems. The ability to solve your problems leads to resilience The ability to collectively contribute to solving the problem. That works. But I don't want you to listen to this and get the idea that I'm saying that you need to go solve other people's problems (laughs) because you can't, you have no control over somebody else. Although you're very special. I did a TikTok last week that said, You are very special. but you are not so special that you can fix other people or solve other people's problems, change other people. I think that's what I said. So becoming a problem solver, knowing how to seek solutions, you know, we talked about that a little bit last week in adaptation, but it's a, it's a tremendous contribution to the concept of resilience.
1: Yeah. I feel like, sometimes i can go overboard in that area my, my natural tendency in when problems come up is to be a fixer and i i have had to learn over time that that can be very annoying when someone is constantly presenting ideas on how someone can solve something when they're just talking to you and venting to you and they don't really want you to solve their problems <laughs> well,
0: and herein lies the source of anxiety, right, that so many people come to me with. And it is hard. You're absolutely right. When you're a fixer, when you have this innate ability to solve problems and you can sit back and pretty quickly assess a situation and move toward a resolution, it. In your mind, because it's so clear, it's like it's like, well, can't you see it? Can't you just do this? And I'm always reminded of those books that came out maybe 20 years ago now, maybe longer. The double eye books, or I can't remember what they're called. Oh, magic eye. Yes, magic. magic eye books. Where you have to look at it just a certain way. And when you do, this 3D
1: image pops up, right? But I need to tell you, I was very good at those books. I have no doubt.
0: <laughs> but, you know, there were some people that that just, I don't see what you see, you know, and they would get so frustrated. And I think problem solving to someone else's problem is a lot like a magic eye book. You, you can see it. And you want them to see it like you do. And so you say, you just have to stare at it this way. Right. And the, yes. and, but because they're not you, they're not staring at it that way. Yeah. And the longer you say, well, just do it like this, the longer, the harder it's mm-hmm. going to be for them to sit back and relax enough to find their own solution.
1: Yeah,
0: 100%. So next is emotional awareness. And I'm pretty sure that in every single podcast and it is 67 to, this is the 60s eighth. This is the 68th podcast oh that we've done in every single one.
1: I have touted
0: self-awareness.
1: Yeah. It's, it's the foundation to all of this. It's,
0: I want you to know that sigh is super intentional because if, if as our listeners do nothing else, it's important to develop self-awareness. Yeah. Nothing changes without self-awareness. Just embolden that in your brain. If you want change in your life, it requires self-awareness. Yeah. Period. And when I say self-awareness, I really mean emotional awareness. I'm not just talking about, oh, yes, here I am sitting on this chair. There's a cushion under my butt (laughs) and it's hot in this room. I'm talking about I'm feeling pretty good today, although... I have a little bit of a scratchy throat. And of course, that instantly drives fear of coronavirus. Yes. Which pisses me off <laughs> because I don't want to be afraid of coronavirus. But yeah. I I was out and about a little bit. Now, I did it safely. I washed my hands. I wore my triple thick mask. But I also hugged my daughter from behind yesterday. Mm. She stopped And introduced me to her new boyfriend. Yeah. And she was standing right there. And I said, Emily, I just can't stand not hugging you. I just can't stand it. (laughs) And so I walked up behind her, held my breath, and hugged her. Yeah. So if there was any virus, I didn't have my mask on when I did that. But if there was any virus, it's not her fault. It's my fault, you know. I don't think she listens to right. this actually. So. But anyway, of course I woke up this morning with a scratchy thought and thought, Oh no. So that's me, but that's me being really aware of my hyped up emotions, right. Over and then being able to take those emotions and putting them into perspective.
1: Yeah. And I feel like self-awareness like necessarily requires a little bit of humility. Totally. because you know, like uh, in that example that I just mentioned earlier, knowing that I have this thing where I want to fix seems like such a positive thing in my mind, mm-hmm. because, like you said, I want people to see the magic eye picture. I want them to experience like what I can see, and it's good. But you have to, I know that it's annoying. Like I know that to some people that is really really annoying and really really not what they want to hear at that time mm-hmm. and i I know it about myself i I am certainly not trying to be annoying, but I get it and you know i I try to catch myself or ask ahead of time like do you do, do you want to Do you want me to offer a solution or do you just want me to listen? Do you just want to vent? Yeah, that's so important. But it it requires me saying, hey, there's this thing that I have and I, normally it's not bad, but it definitely can be annoying and I'm going to accept that and recognize it.
0: I'm really glad you brought this up because I don't remember, it might've been a client. I I had this conversation with a client last week. Self awareness requires that we look at the shit we don't like about ourselves. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, if I go into an outhouse, I hold my breath. I don't just uh, take it all in. You know, right. I don't take a deep breath and inhale and think, mm, God, this shit <laughs> smells good. I hold my breath because shit stinks. Right. And, I think it's so, you know, we, when we're looking at ourselves, we have to take it all in. We have to inhale deeply. Yeah. We have to be aware and, and because nothing changes if we hold our breath. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I really appreciate that, that you brought that up because it's so important. Yeah. And I think. This other piece is important too, in terms of social support. And I was building a workshop on this very topic that I'm going to present to, I do a seminar every month in a retirement community. And this, you know, this topic of social support is so challenging right now. Mm -hmm. Because if you, don't live inside a family unit, then you cannot safely go out to eat with someone. Mm-hmm. You cannot safely have a movie night with someone. You you can't safely just interact the way that we used to. And so it's no wonder the virus is spreading. I got on Facebook yesterday and saw that someone I'm acquainted with had a big anniversary celebration. Mm -hmm. And there were pictures and it looked like a beautiful celebration and they were surrounded. And this is an older couple. I think it was a 50th anniversary celebration. And they were surrounded by young people and middle-aged people all their children their grandchildren and I don't know who else was there but I didn't see one mask yeah and there were some candid photographs of people just sitting at their tables and I didn't see any masks and I am holding my breath in Mm -hmm. prayer for those people And I'm praying so hard that no one was asymptomatic.
1: (sighs) Yeah. I, I, I can't, like I, I'm missing that piece of me that would allow me to do that. Maybe I am living in fear. Maybe I'm a realist. You can call it whatever you want, but I went out to dinner with my husband on Saturday night. My dad had our kids for the night, which is amazing. And we went out to dinner, wore masks to the table, sat down, took the masks off, ate the meal. We were sitting away from everybody. And we went home and I was like, uh, I don't want to do that again. Mm. Like it it, it it, was not fun like it used to be. Right. I, I don't know. I can't do it. But, well, you know. personally,
0: I feel that way as well. I mean, I'm... I, I wouldn't go out to eat because I don't have a, a close so- social circle, right? I don't have. There's nobody. I live alone. There's nobody in my life. Now, if when the kids are quarantining and we go away for my birthday, then I would go to out to eat with them. But you know, you still have a waiter, and yeah. that isn't part of your closed circle. I guess my point is, is if I'm going back to social support, we need social support. We need our families. We need friends. But we must engage in ways that protect us. I went to an event on Saturday night. It was a get-together with 10 ladies. And everybody wore a mask. Well, I wore mine for almost the entire time. Not everybody did, but I was probably 10 to 12 feet away from people who were not wearing a mask. Yeah. And we shared food, but I only had food that was individually wrapped. Like if somebody was standing over something eating, I didn't eat that. Yeah. 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 If it wasn't wrapped individually, you know, I didn't eat. Now. I. I think we have to be very careful with social support and we need it, but we need to be smart about it. But it does help. Oh, I know. I wanted to really say this about it. Do not surround yourself with negative, depressive, pessimistic, sad people. Right. Now, if you somebody you love is in that space, then you can be a supportive person from them. But if you know that somebody has that tendency or is in that space, do not go to them to be lifted up. right? don't don't turn to them in your in your sadness or in your darkness and say, "Oh, the world sucks." Because they're going to turn around and they're going to say, hey, the world does suck, and this is what's wrong with it, and blah, 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 and now you're just going to get yanked right Right. on down. Turn to somebody that can say, hey, sometimes it does, but guess what? On the other side of this, blah, 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 you know what I mean? Your social support has to be a system that lifts you up. You can always check into my TikTok lives on Monday nights, Monday nights (laughs) at 9
1: p.m. Eastern. And I will, I will lift you up. Yeah. There's so much negativity. we just, nobody, nobody needs more. I mean, that's the truth. No one needs any more. No, no. And last but not least
0: is a sense of humor. Yes. Yes (laughs) to the, there's nothing, I can't think of something. Yes to the jest. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Leslie, what does a Rubik's Cube and a penis have in common? Oh man, I don't know. The more you play with them, the harder they get.
1: I, you know, (laughs) appropriately timed joke of all time because Henry just bought a Rubik's (laughs) over the weekend and he's figuring out the algorithm to it. So there you go. That's what comes to mind. I'm like, my husband will get a kick out of that.
0: So do you really want to impress him? Yeah. So you take the Rubik's Cube and you turn Each square to the right twice. So turn a square to the right twice, pick another square, turn it to the right twice, pick another square, turn it
1: to the right twice. And if you keep doing that, you should solve it. Yeah. There's like a whole thing. Like if, if people are looking for something to do, I think there's a program on Netflix about like Rubik's Cube sporting event or something like that. I don't know. It's a whole thing. There's like a whole community and culture of Rubik's cube solvers. And some people can do it in like six seconds.
0: I'm aware. My brother is one of those people. Oh, but, um, I, yeah. And it's been a long ongoing thing and I have three brothers. So I should say one of my brothers, the other, I don't know about the third, but I know another one would say, what's a Rubik's cube. <laughs> <laughs> But I th- I read that and I wanted to try it, so I think you should sit on the couch and do that and impress him um, and freak I him out. Totally yes, I I totally should. Yeah. So, all right. I know that we have been long-winded today, but we've talked a lot about the different components of resilience, and maybe nothing is more important right now. Than our ability to strengthen and master resilience. So I hope that you'll really take a look at this. I think Abby will probably outline this very nicely. So go to our website and look at the show notes where everything will be in writing or I think maybe even where you listen to your, um, just look in our show notes. And if you have any questions, of course, reach out to us. We're so happy that you're here.
1: Les, did you have something else you wanted to say? Yes, go, remember, go forth and be like a Weeble. Yes, that is
0: the try this at home this week. Be a Weeble. <laughs> be a Weeble. Be a Weeble. <laughs> Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. So with that, we will leave you for now. We hope you'll tune in next week. Um, we're going to be talking about positivity and how to foster More positivity in your life. So for now, this is Leslie and Leslin, hoping you will try this at home.
1: All perspectives and opinions expressed during this podcast are for
0: educational and informational purposes only. There is no direct or indirect intention to provide psychotherapy or mental health services. If you are seeking counsel for individual circumstances, please consult with a local health professional.